Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series today. We'll head to Fort Wayne, Indiana in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Lawrence Rast. He is president of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Rast, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you, Andy and Sarah. It's great to be with you. We're looking forward to learning about you you becoming a church worker and life at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne and how the seminary helps form church workers for the church. But let's start with your story. Tell us about when you first began thinking about becoming a pastor. Sure, sure. Thanks. That's a great question. And it covers my favorite topic, me. So this is delightful. (laughs) I come from a family of church workers. So there's a lot of history with my family within both pastoral and teacher ministry. My grandfather, Alfred Rast, was a pastor, spent most of his ministry in Texas, actually finished his service as the mission executive for the Texas district. He, He married a woman who was a teacher at Trinity Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. So all the way back with these rats, we have that kind of history. But they had four sons, three of whom went on to be pastors as their father desired. And then there was my father who said, pastoral ministry isn't for me. And he was right. But he, but he was called to be a teacher. And uh, he taught first at Concordia, Chicago. Back then it was River Forest. But and while he was there, he met a young woman. They were only a year apart in age. She was a prof. She was a student. Not sure you can do that anymore, but she was studying to be a Lutheran school teacher. So uh, on that side, my own side, while his brothers were going into pastoral ministry following their father, my dad followed into teaching ministry as a professional church worker and his then soon-to-be wife did too. So we've had that as just kind of a reality in our family. But interestingly enough, in the, the next generation, I'm the only professional church worker. And to get to that point, you know, it was always on the table for me. It was just part of the conversation, having uncles who were pastors, having others who were teachers. We, we were very involved in church and church work conversations and the like. It kind of dominated family conversations, as you might imagine. So it was always there for me to think about, but it wasn't my first thought by any stretch. I was, um, I had a lot of interests as a young man and a lot of avenues that I thought about pursuing. Probably the main one was to be a lead guitarist in a rock band and be very successful at that. It didn't turn out, but I do still play. I also worked construction and painted cars in a body shop and that kind of thing as I was sort of thinking about what it was I might do with my future. And and just kind of settled back in my late teens and thought about what what it might be that I would do with my life's work. And I had a really interesting experience in that regard. We had two pastors at our congregation, DeKalb, Illinois, and one was this super dynamo preacher. And the other was just a very, very solid, straightforward, not the most dynamic, but a, but a very faithful kind of preacher. And in my late teens, as I started thinking about professional church work and specifically being a pastor, I visited a lot of other churches for a while just to hear preaching, teaching, you know, kind of figure out where it was I was going to go. 
and heard a lot of preaching, a lot of good preaching, a lot of bad preaching. Same thing with teaching. Came back to my congregation and and wondered, now who who will be preaching this week? And it'll be interesting to contrast this preacher with the ones I've heard in other traditions. And it wasn't that I was looking to leave Lutheranism at all. That wasn't the point. It was just to really explore and hear from the variety of traditions. Well, I came back and it was our more kind of pedantic preacher, if you will. And I thought, oh, he won't, you know, he won't be able to hold a candle to some of these other people I've heard. And he got up and preached and he did something. And he taught me this in confirmation class and I knew it. And my other pastor had too. He properly divided law and gospel, which I had heard nowhere else in all of these traditions that I had visited. And having heard my pastor preached that way that Sunday, I said, that's what I want to do. I want to help people here as clearly as possible. Not the law in and of itself. I heard plenty of that, but really the pure and true gospel in the most comforting and, and full sense. And so that day I said, I'm going to be pastor. And here I am today. What was that journey like for you once you knew that that was the path that you were going to be on? What was the, the path for you like then after that through high school, college, seminary? Who are the people that encouraged you along the way? Well, I first went and talked to my pastors and they they said, you? And I said, yeah, me. <laughs> encouraging. And they said, oh, good, you. That That's good. And so we talked about kind of the path for preparation in the, the Missouri Synod. I kind of naively thought, well, I'll just go to seminary right now. But I found out I needed a bachelor's degree. So that's when I visited uh, Concordia and River Forest and went there and um, got to know, I had, had a number of professors that were really important in my formation as I was making my way through my four years at, at RF, three and a half really at RF, now Chicago. Need to keep remembering to say that. And that's some great people, some some friends who were, some of whom were in the pre-SEM program, some of whom were not, who have been, who turned into lifelong friends at this point. And we continue to be in contact and they were always there to to challenge me and to encourage me as we kind of walked along our, our various roads, thinking about what our futures might look like. And it was, it was just a tremendous experience to go through one of our Concordia system schools. And uh, part of the reason I did that was very intentional. When I did make the decision to pursue formation, pastoral formation, I hadn't gone to a Lutheran school at that point, even though my parents had been involved in the teaching ministry. They both ended up in higher education, but at the university level. So they were both full professors by my latter teens at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois. My dad was a music prop. My mom was in library. And so we were in DeKalb and there were no parochial schools there. So when I thought I'm going to pursue pastoral ministry in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I thought it might be helpful to to attend an LCMS school as an undergrad because you know I could have gotten Greek and Hebrew at Northern or some someplace else. But Explored Concordia and, and, and settled on that. Really am, am glad that I did. And I, as I said a little earlier, I had a couple of really great profs. One who was particularly formational for me was a Professor Charles Freilich, who taught us Greek. He also taught me Latin. One of my prized possessions from my ordination when I was ordained in 1992 was a letter from Professor Freilich. I had invited him. And he wrote me a letter in English, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Oh, and did I say German? I mean, he, he used all these languages. 
And the English component was, Dear Larry, and sincerely. <laughs> Everything else was in a different language. <laughs> and uh, that was that was part of my experience with him was just delving deep into Lutheran theology, Lutheran history, the languages, preparing the languages and the like, and just loving every minute of it. It was a tremendous, tremendous experience. So uh, undergrad was, was terrific. And then came the, the decision, and that was, where are you going to go to seminary? And honestly, my, my dad's three brothers had all gone to St. Louis. And that was kind of my assumption, not kind of, it was my assumption. In fact, I didn't even know there was a seminary in Fort Wayne when I started at River Forest slash Chicago until there was a recruitment day. And the recruiters from the two seminaries, I was surprised to find, were on campus. And uh, I thought, well, I'll just have to run down to St. Louis and check things out there. And I'll also need to run down to Fort Wayne and kind of check things out there. And uh, that, that, began a very difficult and for me, deliberative process of trying to decide where to go. And there were upsides just as there are still today to both our seminaries. We are so incredibly blessed to have the two seminaries that we do. They're, they're just world-class. And so I couldn't make a wrong decision. The question was, what did I feel was right for me? Where did I fit? And after exploring for a bit, it, the fit was here at Fort Wayne came down, loved my experience here and loved it so much that, that I came back and now I've been here 26 years. Wow. <laughs> Tell us about the, the, some of the highlights or the key moments of your formation as a student at Concordia Theological Seminary. The biggest thing was the, the relationships I had with both my fellow students and those were easy, you know, we're thrown together in the classroom and chapel and library. We're seeing each other all the time. We're talking theology and so forth. And those were great. And then I forged a whole new series of relationships that now are lifelong. But also then the relationships that I began with my professors and their accessibility, their willingness to, to talk through issues, their willingness to encourage. You know, it wasn't always roses and honey. It, you know, there were, there were tough spots along the way. And so having to, having professors and fellow students that I could look to trust and talk through just about anything was really, really important. And I treasured those moments and there were so many of them. I couldn't, I, if I were to recount them, we'd be here all day long. We're talking with Dr. Larry Rass, president of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as part of our Set Apart to Serve series here on The Coffee Hour. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. (laughs) 
Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're continuing the Set Apart to Serve series today with Dr. Larry Rast, president of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Rast, you had a great experience as a student at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. How did your seminary, how did did your formation at the seminary prepare you for the next steps going into the Office of Holy Ministry from there? The... That's another wonderful question. I really, these are great questions you're raising and they're causing me to talk an awful lot. I apologize for that, but here we go again. The, the, you know, my, my last couple of years, I did an extra year as a seminary and I, I worked on my master of sacred theology. The last couple of years here at Fort Wayne were kind of challenging in terms of what was going on administratively at the seminary. Our sitting president had been honorably retired. There was a lot of conflict where there hadn't been earlier and, and, um, just, uh, just for, for a number of folks, really, really difficult times. And they were for me too, personally speaking, I, I had a lot of, like I said earlier, relationships with professors and it was just in a lot of ways, a difficult time. Well, that turned out to be very helpful for my own formation for service in in parish, in the parish as a pastor. I remember one of my professors floated the idea with me and then with the administration. Well, you know, Rast, he's, he's kind of good at history. Why don't we just call him to the seminary right out of his master of divinity program? And, you know, I kind of, I thought, well, that's, that wasn't what I was after. I wanted to be a pastor, but you know, if, when people are telling you, you, you ought to think about this, you kind of let it go. Well, the answer was no. And that was the best thing that could have happened for me. And I remember one of my professors, David Scare, he said, that would have been the worst thing that could possibly have happened to you because you, in order to teach pastors, you need to have been really been a pastor. And, and he was right. So I then went on to, uh, study for my PhD at Vanderbilt university in Nashville, Tennessee, and received a call to Ascension Lutheran Church in Madison, Tennessee, which is about seven miles due north of downtown Nashville. Now, I'm a native Chicagoan. My wife, Amy, is a native to upstate New York. And you had a couple of these Yankees thrown into the South, and we loved it. We loved Nashville. I'm not a big country music fan, Amy is, but but the, the culture there was great. It was just terrific. But even better was the congregation that God called me to serve, Ascension in Madison. Just a wonderful group of folks who had been served by a marvelously faithful pastor for 22 years before I arrived. David Callings had been at Ascension for those two decades plus before he was called to be district president. And he had just served them marvelously. And they, they are just a great bunch of folks. So I couldn't have been placed in a better congregation, in my opinion. And they were patient with their newbie pastor and they helped me realize where my gifts were, where I really had a lot of gifts, but also then how to recognize the gifts in others and specifically in the marvelously gifted lay people we have in our church. And so it it helped me to begin a path that I tried to carry forward here into the seminary now in my work as a president of a seminary to, re- to recognize the gifts, the gifts that God gives to each of us and how they complement one another for the sake of the mission 
that Jesus has entrusted to us. And so it was, we were there five years and it was a busy five years. I was a full-time PhD student, a full-time pastor. Amy was a social worker doing really courageous work in child abuse prevention and, and things like that. But we also somehow had two kids in the midst of that to join the one we already had. I mean, I look back at my my day planners from those days in our lives and it's like, good grief. You know, people say, boy, you work pretty hard right now. It's like, nope, I'm a slack. But it it was a great experience and, and everything, you know, even PhD work at Vanderbilt fed into the pastoral work that I was doing both as a leader of a congregation, but also caring for the people in the congregation. But then in turn, learning from these wonderfully gifted people in my congregation, man, it was, it was tremendous. It was, uh, I could have stayed there for my entire ministry. Sometimes I wish I had. <laughs> so let's talk more about this pastoral formation. You talked a little bit about your own experiences. What's 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 of utmost importance? What's essential for pastoral formation at a seminary, specifically at, at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne? Yeah, that's again a really good question. You know, our mission statement is pretty clear. We form servants. So we're looking to form people who are serving their neighbor, both within the church and outside the church, serving them as Christ has first served them, forming these servants who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. So there's the, the doctrinal element, the centrality of scripture and the Lutheran confessions, appreciating the history of the church and applying that then in the lives of, of God's people, but then also reaching out with the gospel to our local communities where God has placed us to serve, and then in turn internationally as well. So doing both domestic and international mission, preparing our students to pursue that with all possible vigor. And then increasingly, I think it's important, and particularly in our fragmented and polarized setting, to to work very hard to care for all people, because it's easy in a lot of ways to care for people who are like you and who like you. It's a little more challenging when there's some dissension and difference of opinion, but God has called us to care for all people and to do so out of the love that he first gave to us through his son. And so that that kind of holistic approach where where we affirm all of our doctrinal, our dogmatic history, and we, we vigorously teach it at the highest possible possible academic level. I'm always impressed with my my faculty colleagues here. They've been at some of the best universities in the United States and abroad, but they come to their task as professors, primarily as pastors. And, and that, again, I think is what sets apart the kind of residential seminary that we are. And that's the vision, I think, that we have within our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod generally with respect to, to pastoral formation. So, how do you do that? Well, of course you have classes and we have all the classes. And when I put on my historian hat, when I, when I have that opportunity, which I take as much as I possibly can, I'm pretty demanding in the classroom and, and people, you know, oh, Ras, he's a pretty nice guy. And I am until you put me in the classroom, but, and then, you know, not everybody has been called to be an historian. Thanks be to God. You know, we need historians, just not too many of them, but the, you know, not everybody kind of has the mind that retains all these names and dates and all that kind of stuff. And I understand that. And I don't make that the cornerstone, for example, of my teaching. But, but what I try to do 
is tell a story, the story of the church, and specifically in my case, mine's the history of Lutheranism in North America, to tell the story of the church so that folks find their place in that story. You know, I'm part of this. This is my story too. And then they can hopefully can find ways to share that story with others so that they're incorporated into the greatest story of all, of course, which is our redemption in Christ. So everything has to have that kind of applicability, that, that sense of being engrafted into the larger Christian community that happens by grace, received through faith, all because of Christ. And we do that in class, as I said, but it then extends. Chapel is central to our lives together. We meet every day at 10 o'clock and we stream it as well so folks can watch it from our Facebook page and other pages. It's not just about learning the stuff. It's really about being in Christ. So we do that too. And then after chapel, we walk over and have coffee together and talk and chit chat and find out, you know, if somebody has an issue, that's a, it's a good way for them to connect with a professor or one of our staff members so that they can, you know, it can be addressed because we are in the end, a community and it's an ever changing community. It, it just, it, it's, it's a little disruptive. You might say, you know, I, I was a pastor for five years and we had a certain kind of solidity in terms of our membership, but Nashville, we had a lot of people come in, a lot of people go out, but in the seminary, it's always in motion, but nevertheless, because of Christ and centering ourselves around his word and his sacraments, there is this greater sense of community that kind of carries us through. So it's, uh, what do you say? It's the, it's, it's not just one thing. It's a life together in Christ. How would you describe the need for church workers in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod today, especially pastors and, and other church workers? Yeah, it's the need is enormous. The need for teachers, good, faithful, well-equipped Lutheran teachers is huge, 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 huge. I hear that from all of my friends who are who are the teachers or pastors out in the field. They they need they're looking for good teachers all the time. So the need and the opportunity is there. And it's also true of the need for pastors. And that I think that needs going to become more pronounced over the next few years as old guys like I am, as we come closer to a immediate presence of our Lord Christ. <laughs> is one way of looking at it. But, uh, you know, God is always raising up future leaders and, and the opportunity right now and the need both for younger students younger pastoral students or second career pastoral students is, is huge. And it's just going to get bigger. So the time, if, if you feel, if listeners here feel that God is calling them to this kind of service, or they're thinking about just exploring it, call us up, get in touch with us, because I'll, I'll tell you, the need truly is there. We have just a couple of minutes left, but now that you're kind of on the other side of this, having gone through that decision-making process yourself and gone through all of the schooling and, and being a professor, now president, and, and being on the other side of this, helping to form church workers yourself, do you have stories of of how you've been able to mentor young people into these church work professions? Yes. There, there were several younger people in my own work, at, in my relatively short work at Ascension in Madison, Madison, who pursued professional church work. And that was a great joy to me and kind of cool as well. You know, you're teaching a kid that you, you helped with in confirmation many, many years before. That's kind of neat. The, and also just to, to be involved with a lot of the young people in our church, 
broadly speaking, and then our local teaching them to pursue this as well. And it's, you know, I've been, I've been here for more than a quarter of a century now, and I've made a lot of presentations at a lot of places. And I'm regularly surprised when I'll have a young person come and say, do you remember me? You know, they'll be, they'll have enrolled and I'll be like, Oh, uh, <laughs> can you help me out a little bit? I meet a lot of people and they're like, well, you gave a speech at my congregation in 2001. Well, I can't remember 2019 or much less last week, but I was like, Oh, and they'll tell me where it was. And they'll tell me what I talked about. And they'll say that got me thinking about this. And that just blows me away, frankly. That, that those kind of simple things that I happen to be talking about took root. And then I'm sure they talked to their pastor and their parents and, and other kids and, you know, whether this might be something they would pursue. And God used all of those people to kind of guide them along the way towards finally being at the point where they're ready to enter into professional church work. That's the key. It's usually not kind of a St. Paul experience where Jesus comes and says, Paul, get your act together. It's... <laughs> more the people around you, pastors, parents, friends, et cetera, who are saying, you know, you probably would be a good candidate for this. And I'm convinced that's the Lord at work guiding people into professional church work. So, and even, you know, offhanded comments I might make in a presentation at a congregation 22 years ago or whatever the case might be, all those things work together and God works through those things to provide future workers for the sake of the proclamation of the gospel. And there is nothing better than being a part of that work. How can we learn more about pastoral formation and deaconess formation at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne? Our website is www.ctsfw, the Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, ctsfw.edu. And there's all obviously the, the links there to connect with our admission department. But also, if you want to get in touch with me, lawrence.rast at ctsfw.edu. Always happy to chat. Very good. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Lawrence Rast Jr. serves as 16th president of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Great stories for us today, Dr. Rast. Thanks for sharing your story with us here on The Coffee Hour. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Sarah. God bless you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.